0: You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. We're about to embark on our second audio journey around the Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show. We'll hear from a range of passionate plant people that all brought a unique perspective. Shout out to Travelers Aid, who provided mobility support for people in need, and Beyond Blue, who were providing mindfulness activities for people of all ages and spread awareness around mental health. I'm here with legendary insect (laughs) enthusiast, Dennis Crawford. How you going, mate? G'day. How's it going? Good. Dennis, you just said something really interesting there. You said a place like this may be the first opportunity you get to meet people who, yeah, you've been online talking to for years.
1: Indeed. I mean, we all follow each other on Instagram because of gardening or, you know, or plants or or insects or butterflies or something like that. And so all you know is their tag and then you might look them up, you know, in in their profile and find out their name. But you still often don't even know what they look like. And then you're you're doing a talk on, on bugs, you know, and suddenly someone walks up and says, oh, I follow you on Instagram. So it's fantastic to actually meet people because, you know, a lot of the times um, with social media, you're just kind of just throwing stuff out there and, you know, maybe people are seeing it and you don't know who they are. So it's really great to uh, make it a bit more personal.
0: Completely agree. Now, mate, you've got a lemon-scented gum little sample here. Can you tell me what you're looking at here?
1: It certainly can, yeah. We've got some uh, things that are called lerps. And so what that is um, is the sugary coating of an insect that is underneath. And so they feed, how it works is they feed on the, on the gum leaf and they, being a sap-sucking insect, they end up with a whole lot of concentrated plant sugars inside, which they excrete. And these guys actually use some of it to make a covering. And as you can see, this is a very fancy, very ornate-looking um, covering. And it often tells you... Uh, which genus of of insect it is. So the the main group of the insects is they are uh, psyllids, is the name. Um, Australia has a whole lot of psyllids. For example, we've got very few native aphids here in Australia. These guys kind of fill that gap. And so from their covering, you can get an idea of uh, which genus they are. And this is kind of like almost a fish skeleton Mm, shape, isn't it? It is. It its and that's just on the, on the corner of Latrobe Street there, um, this lemon-scented gum. And you can actually see the excess honeydew on the leaf. And it's, uh, it's just plant sugars because um, they, they being a sapsucker, everything kind of concentrates inside them. They only need a little bit of sugar. They need the other things that are in the leaf, though, and they excrete most of the sugar. And so that's what it is. So um, you can actually eat the lerps. They okay. are very sweet. Oh, right. uh, you, as you can see by the size of them, you'd need quite a few yes. to actually, you know, to, to sweeten your cup of coffee or something, you know. So, so there you go. Wonderful. Uh, it's all around you. If you see a gum tree, you will always see an insect.
0: Okay. Isn't that the most beautiful thing in the world, Dennis?
1: <laughs> I like them. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure.
0: I'm here with Georgia Tracy from Kevin Hines Grow. So, how are you going today?
2: I'm going really well. Thanks, Daniel.
0: So, can you tell me a little bit about what Kevin Hines Grow is?
2: Okay. Kevin Hines Grow today is a disability service. We are a very unique organisation in that we work with people with disabilities, but we use therapeutic horticulture. So, that's our platform, working with people in the gardens, to meet their developmental goals and to teach them about gardening
0: Loving seeing some horticultural therapy here I think it's a big growth area and it's. Um, I've been volunteering in the Careers Hub and we've been talking about it as a bit like the Wild Wild West because there's no real framework there that's existing yet I know a lot of people are working on it Would you like to speak on that?
2: Sure. Look, I think a lot of people are working on it. I think it's happening in neighbourhood houses all around the country. Um, It's a lot bigger or has a bigger sort of uptake, I think, in America and in the UK. Um, Why it hasn't sort of taken off so uh, vigorously perhaps in Australia is, uh, it's hard to say really, but I think the thing is that a lot of people are doing it, but it's not very cohesive. It's not sort of um, all... um, the, the, everyone's doing it a little bit differently and working with different populations they're still doing good work but perhaps we don't have a sort of a central um, kind of force however having said that there is therapeutic horticulture australia which is the um, sort of representative body i suppose for this sort of work and um, they're a fairly recently established group and um, they do a conference every year so if people are interested i'd say definitely look them up
0: love it Uh, 10 or 11 years ago or maybe even 12 years ago now I was working in a sales role and I was depressed and my wife told me well what can you do you need to you need to change so um, you know I was like well I can do gardening so I got into that and it's really done wonders for me so I think it's fantastic that you guys are out here spreading that word what are some of the things that horticulture can help people with like how does that help people
2: Okay, so gardening, horticulture, whatever you want to call it, being in nature, but being active in nature is really good for people's mental health. So stress and anxiety are huge problems in our society today. We all know that. Um, Anxiety and depression are one of the leading causes of disability in the country, in fact, internationally, globally. Um, What gardening does specifically, I think, is lowers people's um, cortisol levels, their stress levels, and makes them perhaps a bit more reflective. I mean, I can't really speak to the science of it, but, I mean, a lot of people can and there's a lot of research out there. Um, but I think that the key thing is being active in a garden um, helps people to manage their feelings and I think it helps people to really, to grow, like um, psychologically, to feel more resilient to life stresses and to, you know, plant something for tomorrow. So sowing the seed for what comes later so it's a meaningful activity um, that is hugely beneficial for people at all ages of life
0: speaking from my own experience it's meditative it's healing and obviously you know there's no silver bullet for mental health issues this is one of the tools within a toolbox but I think it's an invaluable one
2: Look, I agree. Um, In the UK, I understand there's a thing called social prescribing. Um, It's something that should be happening here, in my opinion. Um, What it means is that people will go to their GP um, with depression, anxiety or some other mental health condition, and they may receive medication, which is is fine, Um, but they may also receive a a, um, prescription for a social activity like gardening. So what that involves perhaps is that people will come along to a garden centre, work with other people to grow some fruit and veg couple of hours a week, something like that who knows exactly what it would look like here in Australia, but I can imagine a day where that could happen and it could be hugely beneficial it's uh, a preventative healthcare measure, it would save people having to go on medication for very long periods of time and it would instil in them an interest in a healthy activity that's going to reap huge rewards for them psychologically for the rest of their lives
0: Completely agree I imagine there's someone listening to this podcast right now who's never heard of therapeutic horticulture. Is it as simple as just gardening? Is that what we're talking about here?
2: Look, I think it's a try it for yourself. I think, I think, go out, have a go, plant something, sit under a tree if you're stressed. Don't, don't turn to social media. Don't turn the TV on. Maybe spend time with friends, but you know, sit under a tree, walk around on the grass. Um, Go and buy some seeds at your local nursery and plant them and then watch them come up over the course of the week. And Look, I tell you, tell me if you don't feel better after those activities because I think that um, don't overthink it. Just try it out and see if it works for you. It certainly works for me and it works for a lot of the people that we work with at Kevin Hines Grow.
0: Absolutely. Look, uh, take your headphones out as well. Uh, You won't hear me saying this often, but (laughs) as a podcaster, you should definitely listen to podcasts, but take your headphones out when you're trying to heal your mind. Uh, in the garden because, yeah, you might think, oh, it's a waste of time and this and that. You actually have to go through it. You actually have to experience it for yourself.
2: I think that's right. So just try it out. Um, See if you don't feel better just spending some time in nature. Um, If you are someone with um, specific, uh, let's say, developmental goals, so if you have a disability and you want to have more um, social interaction, if you're an older person, maybe with an ABI, or if you're just an older person who's socially isolated try and find somewhere local to you that's doing therapeutic horticulture or just gardening. Call it gardening. Therapeutic horticulture kind of sounds bamboozling for some people. (laughs) But um, if you you can find an organisation that's providing some short courses, try it out for yourself, learn a few skills, and then maybe transfer those skills to your own home and maybe do it with your family and your friends.
0: Thank you so much for your time and keep up the good work.
2: Thank you so much, Daniel. Lovely to meet you.
0: I'm here with Christian Jenkins, who's won the best in show, show garden here. How are you going, Christian? Yeah, fantastic. Thanks. How are you? Great, mate. Congratulations on winning. There's a lot of, so much work that goes into this. Why would you come here and invest so much time, energy and money into something like this?
3: Um, oh, it's just my thrill to, uh, to create. Yeah.
0: And I imagine it's quite good
3: for business as well. Fantastic for business. Mm. So,
0: people are coming in here, people who can afford for your services are coming in here to this garden. This is your target market here, really,
3: aren't they? Um, no, no, that's a byproduct. No, no, I'm not here to, to pick up work. I'm here because I am an ultimate creator and I don't get to create something like this in nine days. So, from a, a mad kind of professor's point of view, this is my scientific laboratory where I come and create experiments.
0: So you don't have a brief from somebody else. This is basically your creation. You get to do whatever you want.
3: That's right. So I, uh, you know, I, I love to, to, to build, uh, you know, really quickly. I perfected the art of building um, speed, speed building and creating high impactful uh, spaces in nine days
0: fantastic i mean you've got so much water here i imagine even that alone is quite a task let alone getting all the plants in getting all the mulch organizing suppliers getting the whole thing ready what a big task
3: yeah so i fell into the garden show in uh 2003 was my first one and this is my 15th one now so uh, i had a few years off um so i've just over doing 15 and i've done two garden shows in new zealand so i've done 17 show gardens now so um it's just it's not about anything the only reason i come here is to create and to create something magnificent magnificent and and it's you know the results being the best in show award the best design a gold medal um they're also a byproduct you know, of course, I want to come here and I aim every garden show to win a gold medal, but you don't always do that. And then the byproduct of winning the best in shows is just um, absolutely kind of a breathtaking moment for me. But ultimately, it's just this thrill of um, of being a creative, and I and it's not until you are um, a really kind of true passionate creative they're the people I need to speak to who would understand why we do this.
0: Looking at the faces of the people around here today, they're absolutely mesmerised by the garden. So I think you have actually achieved that. It's magnificent. So we're sitting here. It's a tropical barley kind of a garden and design in Melbourne.
3: Yep, that's right. And all of these plants are sourced within um, 50 kilometre radius of the city. So... Um, I suppose the key component to creating this lush tropical garden is to make sure there's no wind. Okay, I repeat, this garden needs to be built in a, in a space that's got no wind and this garden wants afternoon shade. And um, being in these 100-year-old plane trees that surround this garden, they uh, diffuse the wind and also... Um, the plain trees take away the afternoon sun. So this this site location is absolutely amazing, and you can see how happy all my plants are. They are all chirpy, they're on their toes, and they're loving this environment. You can see the leaf growing on the giant bird of paradise over there. It just, it just is radiating how happy it is. Look at the colour of the cordilines. They're showing no stress, okay? Now, they've been in this kind of... Imp- Prompt you situation for five days now, six, seven, eight. They were actually placed before the show opened. Um, I've watered them every second day. And so there's a little bit of a conception that a tropical garden can't perform in in Melbourne and it's got to be from Sydney up to uh, up to Cairns. Um, but um, yeah, clearly you can see uh, if you're in, in in an area like I just explained that doesn't get the wind and is shaded. Um, terrific results
0: what advice would you have for somebody who's listening to this podcast and thinking hey this is something that i'd like to do in two or three years time what's the journey like where do they start what do they have to think about
3: oh okay so there's two different sections of garden design for um, intermediate and, and introduction and they were the achievable gardens and the emerging gardens so, uh, there, that's it. You just contact the show and knock up, um, you know, uh, an area that's about five metres by five metres and um, get creative.
0: So, it's about starting on a, 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 in the Achievable Gardens, showing your stuff, proving your worth, and then you can move up to some of the bigger stuff like this.
3: Yeah, the Achievables, and then there's the, the, the Landscape Association run. Um, is it the Boutique Gardens as well? So, yeah, you just kind of uh, find the forum to um, To get creative and then you might find that it's very addictive and that's what I find yeah it's...
0: thanks so much for your time that's Christian no problem I'm here with Aaron Giannis from Maze how you going mate?
3: good
4: how are you?
0: grand so can you tell me what sort of products do you guys have here?
4: Uh, majority composters we've also got greenhouses self-watering planters some decorative rainwater tanks, some drip irrigation, anything you need for the garden, really.
0: So we've got some, yeah, beautiful products here, and you might have recognised them if you've been to Bunnings. What are people loving in particular here?
4: Look, the greenhouses are always very popular. They're able to kind of see them in person as opposed to just online, so that's great so they can get a feel of the size and whatnot. Um, But even the compost bins, being able to kind of tumble them, see the difference between the standalone and the tumbling versions, and really being able to kind of have a chat and answer some questions that people have, about specific things and what's better and what works in certain situations. So, yeah, those areas, particularly in composting, we are very, very, um, yeah, dominant in the market and, and know our stuff.
0: Yeah, I guess the tumblers probably have a few advantages. Can you tell us what are the advantages of the tumbler as opposed to a standalone?
4: Yeah, not a problem at all. The tumbler is by far superior when it comes to kind of composting if, I don't want to say if you're a bit lazy, but if you, they're a lot more forgiving. So with a tumbling version, it basically mixes 100% of your compost as opposed to a standalone version where it's reliant on you to aerate it and mix it around, whether that be with a a pitchfork or a little aerating device, whereas with a tumbling version, because you're able to tumble the drum and mix 100% of the compost, you're introducing a whole heap of beneficial microbes that's actually going to break everything down and turn it into compost.
0: And you've also got some worm farms here too. Yep.
4: So we've got um, a couple of different versions of worm farms. We've got our maize two-tier, which comes with legs, without legs, um, with worms, without worms, depending on kind of if you've already got a worm farm and you're just transferring over. So a lot of different packages where you can kind of get what you need for your own situation.
0: I'm noticing in 2022, I believe that people seem to be more aware of organic gardening practices and ecology and stuff like that and trying to keep chemicals out of their garden. Is that something that you're noticing here as well?
4: Yeah, definitely. I mean, ever since the pandemic hit, I mean, that first 2020, everything just went crazy. A lot of people kind of turned into farmers overnight where they thought they were going to be able to grow everything from from scratch and everything just kind of went a bit crazy. Um, But, I mean, it, it is good because... A lot of it is so easy and some of it's trial and error and you're going to find out what works for you in certain aspects of all gardening. And I found that that was a really good time for people to kind of, I don't know, sink their, dip their toes into the water, see if it's something that they they like doing and yeah, just do their own little bit.
0: Completely agree. Yeah, and it's really in the zeitgeist about organic gardening and yeah, trying to keep those microbes in the soil. What's something that you've had a lot of people asking you while you've been here?
4: A lot of it is to do with the composting. Um, like, like I mentioned before, which is better, the standalone on the ground system where the worms come in and they obviously are very beneficial in breaking down all of your food scraps um, but then there's the other side of that where it's not the worms that make compost for you, it's the microbes within the compost bin that are helping to break everything down so it's really good to be able to chat to people and explain that although there's not worms per se in your tumbling composter, it's not the worms that actually break everything down, it's the microbes within the unit. In saying that, if I come across garden worms in the garden, um, I'll, I'll throw them in there. I've probably thrown about 10 or 20 garden worms into my tumbling composter. I would have hundreds, if not thousands in there now. They don't seem to mind the, the heat. They don't seem to mind the tumbling. So look, they're, they're, everything has its place.
0: Completely agree. From a business perspective, is this a brand marketing or a sales marketing tactic to come to an event like this?
4: Very much brand, yeah. It's great to kind of get, get the Mays brand out there. It's great to be able to talk to customers one-on-one and kind of see how they feel about certain products. And it kind of helps us design new products and really cater them to, to what people want. I mean, the 245 litre tumbler, which is by far our most popular unit, we, we started developing that probably about six or seven years ago. We had a unit that was quite similar. That was good. it had some really big flaws as well and so we knew what they were we knew what we needed to do to throw all the bells and whistles at this particular unit and it's got got those bells and whistles so yeah it's got the handle which makes it easier to turn it's got the two compartments so you can fill one side up once that's full you start adding to the other side and it just allows the first a chance to fully mature so it's got the completely open front so you've got a cart that also goes with it you pull out the um door once it's kind of facing towards the ground slide that door out, all your compost falls in and you take your compost away. So we we knew what we wanted to do and we knew what we needed to do to make those things happen and we did it. And a lot of that was based on our own kind of um, knowledge about what it needed, but also coming to these type of shows and seeing what customers have got issues with and then, yeah, trying to fix them.
0: And it turns out people are willing to pay the extra money for something that's a lot easier, especially, I suppose, if they've tried other composting methods
4: before. That's exactly right. I mean, quite often people have had the standalone ones on the ground that have never done anything, and I ask how long until you've got compost out of that 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 you can use, (laughs) and they'll tell me years. But they're also not doing what they need to to, to get that. So standalone compost bins are great. Don't get me wrong. But you need to aerate it. You need to make sure you're layering it. Whereas with a tumbling composter, it's so much more forgiving. And you just rotate it whenever you put the food scraps in there. Make sure you get your balance of your wet materials and your dry materials. And providing that you're doing that um, and tumbling it frequently, then, then you're going to have usable compost. In summer, as quickly as four weeks. In winter, maybe three to four months. But still, multiple times a year you're going to have huge amounts of compost to use on your garden.
0: Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time.
4: Not a problem at all.
0: So I'm here with Sandy Jeffrey from the VeggiePod. How are you going?
5: Yeah, great. How are you?
0: Fantastic, thanks. Yeah, clouds are coming over. I'm hoping it's not going to rain soon. But uh, can you tell me a little bit about the VeggiePod here?
5: Sure. So the VeggiePod is a raised garden bed. It's an Australian-designed product about 11 years ago. Um, so we have a canopy that's going to keep out all the pests and wildlife but let in all the good stuff like the sun and the rain and the air. Um, we're going to speed up plant growth because we'll have a microclimate under that canopy. We have an inbuilt irrigation system, so you can just click it into your hose fitting and mist irrigate over the top. And the great thing is we use 80% less water because we have a wicking bed system underneath. So we're smart water approved and... Um, Yeah, we come in three different sizes, a large, a medium and a small. So we've got a pod for every place that people can think of.
0: I've got a balcony garden and I do battle mice and possums. So this is probably a target market for this particular product.
5: Definitely. We are definitely animal proof. Our lid locks into place or our canopy locks into place. So nothing can get through. It's got a commercial grade crop cover on it.
0: Yeah, and it looks good too. It's not like it's ugly or anything like that. It's professionally made. It's not an eyesore.
5: No, not at all. And once you fill it with your beautiful lush greens, your um, tomatoes, eggplants, capsicums, chilies, um, strawberries even, uh, it just looks beautiful.
0: And the netting's quite, it's very fine as well, so we're not even going to be able to get, I heard one of the people over here talking about that even aphids aren't going to get through, let alone butterflies.
5: No, no no white cabbage moth, um, no aphids. No fruit fly even. So the mesh is great for keeping the bad stuff out but letting the good stuff in.
0: Yeah, totally. What are people asking? Like, What are some of the main questions you've been getting here over the last few days?
5: Uh, So people are wanting to know what it is. Some people, even though we've been around for 11 years, still haven't seen it. Uh, And people are asking what they can grow in the pod. And, um, yeah, they're just curious. We obviously have the three different sizes and our large is best value for money. So we just talk to people about what the space is. And the other key ingredient is sunshine. So we talk to them about that as well.
0: Yeah, netting, it's not going to stop the sunshine. Sometimes you do get netting and stuff like that that will shade it out, but it's quite minimal here. As you said, uh, the humidity will stick uh, to, around the plant zone where you want it. So we're yeah. going to make our plants nice and happy.
5: Your only, um, the only thing that's stopping you is your height. So we've got about an 80 centimetre height, so when we talk tomatoes, we either trellis them in a big one, or we actually um, do the dwarf varieties that only grow 70, 80 centimetres, the pot-type varieties.
0: Fantastic. Thanks so much for your time, Sandy. Appreciate you.
5: Lovely to talk to you. Cheers.
0: So I'm here with Andrew Triffitt from Varna. How you going, mate?
6: Good, mate. How are you? Yeah,
0: fantastic! So we've got the auto mowers out here rolling around today. That's really good to see.
6: Yeah, the awareness has been amazing. It's been a really good couple of days. I think they pre-sold 120,000 tickets, and obviously having the two sites opposite each other now with the all-wheel drive and the professional units on hand has been great. Been really well received. Uh, still the odd, you know, comment around Robovac and whatnot, but yeah, really, really, really good so far.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we've got these really steep hill. What's the gradient on
6: that? Uh, They class it as thirty five percent, which entails, I think it is, (laughs) percentage wise, thirty five to thirty eight degrees in terms of you know incline decline. On what they work off in the zero turn and mower market, is what it will cope with internally as well. So all wheel drive, uh, two wheel drive is a little bit of a different platform, but it will cope.
0: Great, and I can see here you've got a little mound. Now if I push mow that, I'm going to scalp the hell out of that.
6: So. Yep, 100%. So that's the theory. All-wheel drive, two-wheel drive auto mowers. Uh, don't tend to scalp like they do with zero turns, tractors, rigid deck type mowers. Uh, that's a, an advantage in itself. Obviously, the health in the lawn stays a lot better than you would with uh, standard you know, heavy footprint mowers versus a lightweight, autonomous type specification that the robotic mowers come in, for sure. Yeah, great to
0: see. What are some of the questions you've been getting from some of the people that are coming in to see you here?
6: They're really driven around uh, how it works, the principles, how does it stay within the boundaries, and it's obviously a discussion basically around the perimeter wire, the guide wire, can it do my front as well as my back, all walks of life. As I say, the awareness is really starting to grow legs in Australia, and it is. Is it similar to the RoboVac? People have been seeing those for years. It's funny they haven't seen auto mowers being 25 plus years in the market. Uh, It's a bit of a diverse, yeah, yeah, open-ended questions, and really just keep, keep building the platform that we're trying to back to the Husqvarna dealer network. Love it.
0: What are some of the other products people are looking at? Obviously the Robomo is the star here today, but what else are people looking at?
6: Uh, we're very battery centric on the stand. So really future proof and innovation around you know, Swedish and Husqvarna, all that 330 year history that we've got behind us. It, it's the next wave of product. It's the autonomous. It's uh, you know even discussions around the wireless technology coming with Epos and Siora for the, for the robotic side of the business. And into battery, you know, the runtime, the improvements in the battery, where your cost savings are, in no filters, no fuel mixtures, all that sort of gear. Uh, easy to use. The weight's always a discussion with, uh, obviously, the older population that pops through the show. Uh, and it's a good fit. It's a great fit. I, I wouldn't use anything else, knowing what I know now, for sure.
0: Yeah, excellent. I'd like to just have a chat with you about something because I think there's an opportunity here in the industry, right? So let's say a company is all set up on one particular brand. It's all your parts fit. Well, there's actually an opportunity that once they buy that first battery, they're going to be more likely to probably stick with the brand they buy that battery with.
6: Correct. Yep. And that's exactly it. That's why we try not to monopoly what we do with our products. So a lot of the batteries are universal across the homeowner through the professional series. So there's no point pinpointing a certain product within our range and saying that's all you can get. We try and minimise the harm, get the run time right, get the right implements in hand and continue to fight the fight there and add to the footprint, you know, the high-reach hedges, the telescopic hedges, even down to our little battery scarifiers that we've got on hand now, continuing to evolve in the market and being such a turf-centric country and people taking a lot of pride in their lawn, we need to continue to add the right tools, the combi trimmers, the attachments that go with it and try and future-proof and I I guess reduce their return on investment times as well. It's, It's a very... I guess you class it as it's a heavy investment to make and commit to one brand as you talk about so let's make it as easy as possible to keep buying these skins and the add-ons to their fleet and make sure that they are they're getting good value for money product support dealer support warranty support it all goes blends in hand in hand with being a premium brand that Husqvarna
1: is
0: yes so and I think also the noise factor is probably going to be a, a really big selling factor I mean I think it'd be a lot less popular if you had petrol mowers running here as opposed to these auto
6: mowers. Spot on. And that's exactly it. Being in the Carlton Gardens, it just goes hand in hand. Like we've been using the blower most mornings to clean up. It's just easy. Emissions, noise pollution. Being in such a condensed space in the city, it suits it down to the ground. It's a good discussion point. Things are only getting tighter in block sizes and whatnot. And and the vibrations and whatnot too that you encounter with petrol product. Just knowing what I know now, I'd never go back. I'd literally never even you know think about petrol in the long run for sure love it thanks so much for your time no Thanks, mate.
0: i'm here with a repeat guest georgia warren welcome back to the show georgia how are you going
7: good thanks dan how are you
0: yeah fantastic we're here at the sustainable landscape company uh, little section here and we're having a look at some of the garden beds you've got here can you tell me a little bit about what what we're looking at here
7: yeah, so we've got a fantastic collaboration this year with the Diggers Stall, and we've got our um, stall which is featuring uh, the Biofilter Food Cubes, which is one of our sister companies. So, Biofilter Food Cubes are wicking beds. They've got a reservoir of water at the bottom of them, and they are 80% recycled plastic and fully recyclable at the end of their lives.
0: And they're really great for balcony gardens and rooftop gardens as well. I know that rooftop gardens are something that you guys are really going hard on right now. Is that right?
7: Yeah, so Melbourne Sky Farm is one of our projects at the Sustainable Landscape Company, um, opening at, hopefully at the end of this year, if not early next year. Um, yeah, we think that food production, anywhere that you can fit it, is really a good thing. and Oh, and combining that with habitat planting as well. So we take the approach of... Combining urban uh, farming with Indigenous plants and habitat building.
0: And you're also using some of the yield to feed people in need.
7: That's correct. So we partner with OzHarvest. So we've got a number of urban gardens or or urban farms rather around Melbourne. And whenever they're ready to harvest, that produce goes to OzHarvest, our charity partner.
0: Thanks for your time, Georgia.
7: Thank you so much, Dan.
0: I'm here with Ily Schultz from the Sustainable Landscape Company as well. How are you going, Ily?
8: I'm good, thanks. Yeah, it's great to be out here at Mifkus.
0: Fantastic. And yeah, we've had some cloud cover, but we've been lucky today with the rain, so hats off to that. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing with Oz Harvest, Georgia just sort of mentioned it before, but uh, maybe you could go into a little bit more depth for us.
8: Yeah, absolutely. So Oz Harvest is one of our most important partners with Sky Farm. The concept behind the rooftop farm is that we uh, won't be... Um, growing the food, you know, kind of for any sort of production or um, even our own needs. We just want to sort of showcase how cities can be productive um, and be places for food production and in order to increase the resilience of our cities. So we're really happy to partner with Alls Harvest and donate all of the produce that we grow on site to uh, their food charity outreach programs, they're cooking for a cause programs, as well as their food relief packages, which are needed now more than ever, um, and they actually find that one of the biggest asks that their patrons have is um, for more fresh produce, because they get a lot of uh, donations of packaged goods from other supermarkets and stuff, and it's just it's such a good feeling to come with produce that I've harvested, you know, just mere um, an hour ago or so, and driving it from Docklands to, from our site in Docklands to their uh, warehouse in Port Melbourne, so it's food that was literally harvested meters away rather than, um, you know, even food miles, um, which is really great, and uh, we also utilize their volunteers to help with our harvest, because uh, it's currently just me up there on the rooftop managing um, all the plants, so once a month we get all the harvest volunteers to come in um, to uh, help with the harvests and also do some replanting and things like that. Um, yeah, they're they're a great organization. We're really happy to partner with them.
0: Yeah, and I mean this is premium food too. This isn't like the the seconds that nobody else wants to eat. This is the best produce you can you can basically get.
8: Yeah, and that's um, the really good thing is because it's about enchanting people with the uh, you know freshness and nutrition of. Uh, fresh produce uh, rather than you know something that's been harvested quite a while ago um, which still you know is obviously great any food is uh, great but it's um, well, by showing people the difference in flavor and texture of fresh food it's also a way to sort of get them interested in uh, different varieties of produce that you might necessarily find in the supermarkets and also the benefits of growing your produce at home.
0: How big is a Sky Farm?
8: Uh, So the rooftop itself uh, is 2,000 square meters. Uh, Upon that, we've installed 250 food cubes, so we've got about 250 square meters of growing space. The other space up there uh, is going to be making way for a rooftop uh, restaurant, um, a playground, sustainability education center, and a retail plant outlet.
0: Fantastic. Thanks so much. No worries. I'm sitting here with the aptly named Megan Flower, who's the CEO of Landscape Victoria. And how are you going today?
9: Well, I'm not too well. I've lost my voice. I've been talking too much.
0: <laughs> An event like this will do that to you.
9: Absolutely. No. Look, it's really good to see so many people here. And um, obviously, we're here at the show to talk to people about professional landscaping. Um, so important to our industry to promote uh, our members who are registered qualified, insured, that sort of thing. So um, that's why we're here, to help the public understand that if they use a professional, they'll get the job done right the first time.
0: Well said. Can you tell me, what, what, what's one or two things that differentiate a professional landscaper from an unprofessional landscaper?
9: Uh, well, essentially the qualification. So uh, we make sure all of our members uh, have a qualification behind them. Uh, and you know, that would be if they're in landscape construction, They should have done an apprenticeship, a Certificate 3 in landscape construction. Uh, Our landscape designers need to have done a Cert 4 or a Diploma in Landscape Design, or they might have gone through to do landscape architecture as well. Um, So, yeah, we we just make sure that these um, people who we represent are the very best at what they do.
0: Yeah, well said. And look, there's a lot of landscapers out there who are qualified, but they're not part of organisations like Landscaping Victoria why, why would somebody join your organisation?
9: Good question. Um, and, and, yeah, look, that's, that's something that we do come across. People, it's, it's completely voluntary. It's their choice whether they want to be part of it or not. But as a group, we're stronger. So we represent the industry. We advocate for professionalism. We promote our members uh, in so many different ways. And it's part of um, when, when m- members join, they're part of a bigger Picture, um, and we provide a lot of support. So, for a lot of people in their business, particularly when they start out, it's very um, it's very much a solo operation, and we can provide the networks and the other um, well experienced people who can help them. So we can back them up in their business with um, you know, business support type services. We've got connections with insurers and legal teams we do standardized contracts for them that they can access so there's lots of ways that it actually saves their money because they don't have to go out and you know get their own contract written for example so if you did that with a legal with, with a lawyer or a legal team you'd be paying anywhere from five to ten thousand dollars to get a contract drawn up we've done that and we sell the contracts for twenty five dollars so <laughs> it's a lot cheaper so there's a lot of benefits there but the wonderful thing about our industry, Daniel, is that so many people, are just they're just so passionate. I've never seen an industry where people are so supportive of each other and so passionate about what they do. And so a lot of our members who've been with us, even for five, ten years, we've got some up to 45, 50 years, um, they are so willing to give back and they love seeing young people come through and they're so willing to share their knowledge. And that is just invaluable to somebody starting out. So when we have events, we really encourage everybody to come along. And um, it's just such a beneficial experience. That word networking, it's a bit of a wanky word, but seriously, just the best thing for people to get involved in. And I've seen some beautiful friendships of groups who've um, uh, met uh, through the industry and they've been best buddies for years. And, you know, if you have a problem, you've got someone to ring up and go, hey, look, I've, I've come across this situation. What do I do? Um, and you've got somebody there to help you out who's probably been on that journey themselves and knows what the solution might be or can at least help you navigate through it.
0: Yeah, it's not a nice feeling to be in it all by yourself. And I think another thing as well is it's just a great branding thing. I mean, you can put on your ute master landscape. I mean, what's the value of that?
9: Oh, absolutely. It's, um, I mean, I try and explain who we are sometimes to people and I say, it's like master builders, but we're, but we're master landscapers. So uh, it's the same thing. It's really setting yourself apart from the competition and, again, just showing the public that you care that little bit extra. You know, you're not just somebody with a shovel and a ute. You actually really care about what you do and you want to do the right job for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, how are you going to charge a premium price if you don't have that Master Landscaper sticker on your ute?
9: Absolutely. It allows people to um, yeah, market themselves a little bit differently, position themselves. Potentially they might want to do higher-end work. It allows them to do that because people trust the reputation that we've built over 56 years. Um, and it's, it's a marketing tool for businesses to use. We've also got our awards program, which is a really important thing um, that only members can enter. So it's the Victorian Landscape Awards. So if you've won, even if you've won a commendation, you can call yourself an award-winning business. And we give all of our winners, um, you know, from commendations right through to actual category winners, a logo to use. And we see a lot of our members proudly put that on their utes and trucks and things and advertise that they are an award-winning business. And again, it's a great promotional tool for people to use.
0: Oh, of course. And this is not just for landscape business owners either. How about someone who's studying at TAFE? Is it, is it too early for them to jump on board?
9: Uh, not at all. So we do have a student category or an educator category. So both teaching staff and students can join for free. Absolutely nothing, uh, no cost there to join at all. Uh, and you get to be part of the industry. So from there, you can you know work up through the different categories that we have and um you know, become part of a really great association that is there to support you for your whole life journey.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time.
9: Absolute pleasure. I'll go and gargle some, something now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Glad I got you today and not on Sunday.
9: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Cheers, Megan. So I'm going to have a quick chat again with Megan because Megan's just said something really interesting about some buckets and I think it's a really interesting case study for a a brand. Like it's really good brand marketing. Can you tell us about the buckets that you're handing out here at the show?
9: Sure. The buckets have a bit of a – they've got a character unto themselves now. So we started in 2016 and I was looking for a promotional item that we could hand out at the Flower and Garden Show – um and I went through all sorts of options you know paper visors because people would be in the sun and then I thought they're going to end up in the bin and then you know rulers and putting a message you know does your landscaper measure up I thought well they'll just get chucked in somebody's bag and um and then I had a chat to um one of our suppliers Garden City Plastics who do pots and um stumbled upon the buckets that they make and um, we decided to go with branded buckets because they're useful. Um, Everybody can use a bucket in the garden and from a branding point of view people walk around at the show using them as a carry bag and so our brand gets seen all over the place and then people come looking for us asking for a bucket and when they're there we give them the spiel about professional landscaping and our website's on the bucket so we point it out and say you know if you're ever in need of a professional landscaper jump on our website go find a professional so it just works so well and we've done it for um well ever since 2016 people now collect them because we change the colour every year and um yeah they, they love getting them it's become a real thing for us so yeah it's a great tool
0: Absolutely brilliant to have the different colour every year because yeah, people coming up and saying, "Hey, I've got the whole collection." What a what a great brand marketing tactic.
9: Yeah, we, we we're quite proud of ourselves. So um, and and it's something we'll just continue to do for our public facing events to um, to hand those out. So yeah, people see them everywhere now, and it's great for us too. We can then take photos of people walking along, holding our buckets. So yeah, best promotional tool we've ever used.
0: I had to laugh because, yeah, we were just talking about the buckets and then literally two metres away there was someone holding the bucket. So, yeah, well well done.
9: Across the veggie patch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again, Megan.
9: No worries at all.
0: There was a bit of a microphone malfunction during my interview with Lauren Danachek from the Australian Garden Council. But I wanted to include it because the Career Hub played a massive part in my Mivka's experience and Lauren worked tirelessly to ensure everybody had a positive experience. I'm here with Lauren Danacek at the Australian Garden Council's Horticultural Career Hub.
10: Yes, we're here at the Careers Hub and we've been having a really good day.
0: It's a fantastic day today. It's threatening to rain, but I don't think it will
10: yeah i think it'll hold off and actually i think the the punters the guests here today are are really keen to be out and about and hopefully the weather doesn't hurt us today for that reason yes
0: so it's really good to have this stall here because i think part of the message is that you know there's so many possibilities within horticulture it's not just pushing mowers and it's not just hand weeding there's just so much and i just wanted to have a chat about this board you've got here this little mind map can you tell me about this
10: yeah, absolutely. So the well, we've got two different mind maps. One is commercial horticulture and one is ornamental horticulture. And just to sort of break them up a little bit to um, go into a little bit more detail by industry is just to some of the different career paths that are on offer. Of course, many of us hybridise. So we really only can showcase the tip of the iceberg here. But we really wanted to put it in one place. So as you said, when you think horticulture, that we have very stereotypical ideas of what horticulture and gardening actually looks like. But here we want to say actually it could be a variety of different things. You know, you could be in education, you could be working of course in the physical realm whether that's being an arborist or being a landscape designer. Then you've got all those lovely plant and associated sciences that come with it. You know, a dendrologist, an ecologist. You've got uh, IPM, you know, integrated pest management, as well as all the other public spaces that we have. So there's there's loads of different careers and really and truly loads of little niches. So you can really specialise in in a field within gardening and horticulture.
0: I'm going to pick out one area that I think's really exciting in 2022, and that's horticultural therapy. Yes.
10: I totally agree and actually it's been so lovely to have so many people come and ask the questions you know what is it how do I get into it it is an emerging industry so there actually isn't a lot of information out there but I think that now that people understand that hey there's real science here and there's real data that shows us the benefits of being in and around plants all the time not only just for the um, for for certain areas that that need that extra stimulation but but just in your everyday office space and every everyday home spaces uh, horticultural therapy, I think, will be a not just an emerging trend to be a very long term thing for us to in our urban environments to have that greenery around us.
0: Absolutely agree. Look, I was volunteering yesterday, and something that kept kind of coming up was yes, there are horticulturists who are already in the industry who are coming in here and having a look. Because let's say somebody might be in garden maintenance, but then they see this like florist, like wow, I, my life could be completely different, I could be working with plants in a completely different way.
10: Yep, I totally agree, and I think you and I both come from completely different backgrounds. You know, we were never, we didn't start off necessarily as horticulturists, and we've had really good career changes, and we've landed in a career that's both satisfying and uh, is really rewarding. And whether it's COVID or whether it's other things, people have had a sort of shift in their mindset. Said, you know, what? I don't want to know if I want to do this job for another 30, 40 years of my life, and I love plants. So how can I use the toolkit that I already have and add some horticultural skills on top and take it to do something else completely different? So that's been really rewarding for us. And these mind maps that we have, they're also available on our website. Just allow people to consider the the broad scale of the industry and find maybe where they could find their own little niche and maybe go and take those next steps to their new career.
0: Completely agree. The website is gardencouncil.org. Can you tell us a bit about the Garden Council?
10: Sure, so the Australian Garden Council was formed in 2015 by Graham Ross and a load of other wise horticulturists and folks who have been in the industry for a very long time who noticed that the industry was ageing and it was time for some younger folks to come in and really give that energy uh, through. So we have three different pillars. We, have, uh, we focus on um, not only the careers element, or our education element, um, but we also look at tourism and also community gardening as well, so we can support the industry in different ways. Here at the show, obviously, we're focusing on those careers and really engaging those people who are like, yeah, you know, I really thought you know maybe this could be something for me and we're opening up those conversations and we're supported by as you said we're in the careers hub so we've got melbourne polytechnic to one side of us and a wonderful uh, apprentice group on the other side so there's some options for everybody here
0: completely agree it's a fantastic space it's a fantastic area and unfortunately this episode will come out just you you're probably going to have not enough time to get down here when if you're listening to this episode so make sure you get in here next year and check out the gardencancel.org website because you, you want to see these mind maps. They are absolutely amazing.
10: Thank you so much. Yes, and come and play with us. We want to hear what you want to do. We want to talk to you about it. Um, and we want to help guide you on whatever that your horticultural and gardening journey looks like.
0: Great stuff. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Daniel. I'm here now with Tyler Howard from the Australian Garden Council Career Hub. So we're both volunteering here. And Tyler, you've actually won a scholarship to go overseas through horticulture.
11: Yeah, so when I graduated TAFE, uh, I was able to meet Graham Ross at graduation evening. And he was uh, offering the information about a scholarship run by BBM Youth Support. Uh, And essentially it... uh, was going to be work work experience, uh, a tour of duty through the UK and France at some of the big horticultural institutions over there, like Chelsea Flower Show, uh, RBGQ, um, several others. And because he's got all the connections, so I you know, honed in on him, had a chat and applied before I knew it, got accepted. So it was um, kind of whirlwind, but that was back in 20, 2019. So... With COVID, we've waited a couple of years, and uh, we're back on track now for a May departure.
0: Yeah, twenty twenty two is a year, and look, this is not a holiday. This is actually a life changing experience.
11: Yeah, it's it's full on work. It's going to be long hours, worth every second. You know, the people over there that I'll be working with are absolute legends, and um, it will seriously open doors.
0: How has volunteering here at the Career Hub helped your career? Have you done any networking or what, what, how has this helped you personally?
11: Yeah, heaps of networking. I mean, this is sort of, it, it's almost like the horticultural mecca of 2022 for Australia. Um, you've got everyone from all, all areas of Australia, um, leading designers, uh, the media teams. It's fantastic. I mean, I've met Charlie Albone, Jane Edmondson. Uh, Millie Ross and Phil Dudman from Gardening Australia, a lot of their Gardening Australia team, and just all these amazing designers. I mean, they've, their names were already on the, on the charts before they came here, and now to see their gardens in, per, in person, I have a chat with them. How did you get this done and what was your inspiration there? And being a horticultural industry, they're just so keen to share their knowledge. So it's um, yeah amazing networking. Three more, uh, two more days, and I can't, can't wait.
0: It's fantastic. And do you think we're gonna have a lot more people here on the weekend? Because it's only a Friday, and there's a lot of people here today.
11: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'll make sure I bring my thermos of coffee for tomorrow. That's for sure. We'll be stuffed. But no, it's it's really good to see everyone coming out. I mean, and like I keep forgetting we're in Melbourne. They had the, some of the harshest lockdowns in um, the last two years. And it's just not. It must be great for everyone. It, everyone's just wearing a smile. I haven't seen anyone angry or upset. Uh, everyone's really happy to be out and about. Finally getting back after two, two or three years of hiatus. It's been ages.
0: Yeah, it has been. And yeah, it, it, the vibes are good. Like everyone's saying the same thing that I'm talking to. Thank goodness we're out here today. Like this is fantastic. This is what life's all about, mate.
11: Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't be anywhere else.
0: Hundred percent agree. Thanks so much for your time, Tyler. I'm here with John Mersica from MEGT. Can you tell me what MEGT means?
12: Melbourne East Group Training.
0: Fantastic. And so you're here today talking about particularly horticultural apprenticeships and traineeships. So what what are the opportunities going right now for people in horticulture or who want to get into horticulture?
12: So a number of positions that are currently available is uh, uh, landscaping apprenticeships, um, parks and gardens apprenticeships and also production nursery.
0: Fantastic. Why would somebody who's maybe going to start thinking about entering into their career start an apprenticeship as opposed to just jumping on the tools and having a go or going straight into
12: TAFE without an apprenticeship? So beginning an apprenticeship will give you, one, a paid uh, training, uh, on-the-job training, and also your uh, TAFE training. So all combined, you'll come out uh, qualified in that particular trade.
0: Fantastic. So you can actually get paid and you can earn to learn. That's correct. Fantastic. And what are some of the questions that you've been having people ask you here over the last few days?
12: Um, a lot of the questions have been based around uh, how to get into an apprenticeship uh, and, and the pathways in. Um, one way we offer that is our jobs board on our website um, has a list of all our vacancies. Um, our group training area employs apprentices be employed by MEGT and then placed out to the host employer. Um, uh, in, in that scheme there, uh, you're placed with a field officer, which looks after you throughout the course of your apprenticeship and provides support for you as well. Awesome. Get into it, guys. Start a career in horticulture. Thank you. We're here ready for you to go. Just look on our website on megt.com.au and uh, find your next career. Easy.
0: Cheers,
13: mate.
4: Thank you.
0: I'm here with Sharon Walker from Melbourne Polytechnic. G'day, Sharon. How are you going?
14: I'm good, thank you. How are you?
0: Good, thank you. And what's your position here?
14: I'm Program Lead of Parks and Gardens, Horticulture and Floristry at Melbourne Polytechnic.
0: So we're here in the Horticultural Career Hub, and I'd like to ask you, what are people coming in and what are the questions they're asking you?
14: Oh, a lot of them are asking about horticulture itself after um, coming up through the Achievable Gardens and seeing our displays down there. Uh, A lot of them are looking at free TAFE as well which is our Cert 2 and Cert 3 in horticulture, um, as well as our floristry, which we've also got contestants inside the, the main building.
0: So why should somebody join horticulture when they could join any other industry in the world?
14: Oh, outdoors, um, very caring uh, uh, courses, uh, you're caring for the plants, that sort of thing. Uh, especially through COVID, we've had a lot of people with PhDs um, coming through, wanting to get out of hospitality, all of those sort of things. Um, but especially with COVID, we've had uh, heaps of people wanting to change and come into our industry.
0: Yeah, I think that the mental health benefits are really becoming more widely known.
14: Absolutely, I agree.
0: So what are some of the, the problems that people are having like in terms of, okay, so yeah, I want to get into horticulture, but what are the barriers that are standing in their way?
14: Uh, a lot of them... Um, We've, we've, we've changed a lot of our courses to part-time to accommodate, um, actually, you know, the people that have lost their jobs over COVID. Um, we've, we've highlighted that, you know, they still need to work. So we've been putting um, a couple of our courses to evening and Saturdays to accommodate that. So that's been a, a, a big change and it is hugely popular. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. I'm here with Daniel Janasek from Still. How you going, mate? Good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, really good. So, I guess, what are people really coming in the store and
13: loving today? Okay, our main interest we've been having is in our HSA26 hedge trimmers and our GTA26 chainsaws. So those are the, really the two handheld smaller machines? Correct. Handheld ones, nice and lightweight and compact. We're getting a lot of um, repeat customers coming back, seeing how much they use our gear and how much they love it. Yeah, so it's coming back and we're showing the new products. We've got new sharpeners. Um, we've got um, secateurs as well, and a great new range of um, battery chainsaws, blowers, hedge trimmers as well.
0: And are you finding that there's a lot more attention on the battery-powered stuff? It seems to be focused on the battery now. That's the way it seems to be going, yes. And is that because of uh, an environmental
13: reason or because of the sound? Look, I think it's got a lot to do with people wanting nice, lightweight, compact unit and of course the environment and fuel costs as well
0: yeah absolutely so is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners about the still um the little market here you've got okay
13: yeah to come on down to site b20 we've got a great range of petrol battery accessories kids toys as well Um, and yeah come down for a chat wonderful thank you so much daniel thank you
0: So I'm here with Joe Rogers from Lawn Solutions Australia. How you going, mate?
15: Good, thanks, mate. How are you?
0: Yeah, groovy, man. So what are people loving and what are people asking you about
15: so people are loving the chance to actually see the turf varieties that we're selling in person being able to come up walk on them touch them see what they actually look like because you can only read so much in a brochure but it's nice to touch and feel sometimes and look they're mainly talking about uh, two of our varieties in particular one's Sir walter dna certified buffalo and the other's our new grass tiff tough hybrid bermuda yeah
0: tiff tough so can you tell us a little bit about this tiff tough like what what's the go there
15: so it's bred for drought tolerance. Um, it was bred by the University of Georgia. It's a hybrid cooch grass, but it uses up to 40% less water than pretty much every other turf grass on the market. So from a sustainability point of view, um, it's perfect, but it also looks great. It's hard-wearing, and it's great particularly down here in these cooler winters. It can handle the cold weather really, really well.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it's quite soft too. Like, I wouldn't mind getting tackled on that.
15: No, it's actually... um. Funny you say that, it is a pretty popular sports turf uh, as well on a lot of high-level grounds, so um, it, it looks very inviting. Uh, getting smashed by some of these professional athletes would be very fun, but falling on a nice, soft, tiff-tough lawn would make it a, a little bit more bearable, I'd say.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you've got kids, I reckon this is a great one to stick on the back lawn, maybe kick around a footy and, yeah, wouldn't mind a bit of a tumble on that.
15: Yeah, no, it's, it's a good all-around product. And like I said, particularly, look, it's all around Australia, but particularly in the southern states, it really is a, a great backyard option for people.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate your time, mate.
15: No worries. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm here with Joel Barton, who's the Felco Territory Sales Manager for Victoria and Tasmania. How are you going, Joel? Yeah, good. Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, groovy, man. So what are people asking you here at the Felco tent?
16: Um, basically they're coming, they're seeing the secateurs and they're wondering what secateurs are good for them And there's so many to choose from, that's where we come in And then we, we guide them into the right the right secateur for the right person
0: Are you finding that people in this sort of environment are recognising the brand?
16: Very much so, Yeah, yeah, very recognisable brand in this industry So it is drawing a lot of attention And um, we are doing a lot of service work too. So people that have had their Felcos for years are bringing them back um, where we do a a service and a new blade and we post it back to them. And we're hearing all sorts of stories of, you know, Felco 2s being passed down from their grandparents. And, you know, we're seeing some some secateurs that are 50, 60-year-old. So it's pretty remarkable, really.
0: No better branding than that.
16: No. No, that speaks for itself, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> exactly.
0: So what advice would you have for somebody who comes in here and they're like, oh, I don't know whether or not to invest, you know, 90 bucks into a pair of really good secretaries when I can go down the road and buy a 5 10 $15 pair?
16: Um you've got to look at it long term and really if you look after your you know your hundred dollar purchase you will should never have to buy another pair of secateurs and if you think about the cheaper ones you get you often you athletes oh at don't cut any more chuck them away and you might do that once a year so if you want something that works it's really comfortable um and it's just a more of an old school approach you know things are built to last Falco hasn't the the Falco basically hasn't changed. The Falco 2 hasn't changed for yeah, 70 years. It's built like, to last. It's tried I've and tested. So, yeah, and, and like us, and you like out, said, most people that uh, do invest, well, everything we right hear ahead. back is so just, I just absolutely right. love them, would never go to anything Long else. So, but, I'm the
0: same. Yeah. yeah. No, I love my 2s, and um, I had them for three or four years now, and I don't sharpen them as much as I should, but they still cut. <laughs>
16: Yeah, and that's the thing. We're doing some tutorials too. We've got luckily we've got Dave here, who's been with Falco for 12 years, I think, and he's an absolute guru on everything Falco. So throughout the day, we're doing um, sharpening demonstrations and general maintenance demonstrations. And we are we, uh, we're sold out of one type of sharpener, but we still got a, still <laughs> yeah. got some more on the shelf. Stuff selling out fast. So if you wanna yeah, you wanna get the, your hands on the best Falco for you, I'd uh, yeah, wouldn't hang around. Come come and see us, and we'll help you out.
0: Thanks so much, Joel. Appreciate your time, mate.
11: No worries, thank you.
0: I'm here with Rob McMillan, who's the Deputy Chair of Open Gardens Victoria. G'day, Rob, how are you going? I'm good, thanks, Danny. And yourself? Yeah, really good, thank you. So, can you tell me a little bit about what you guys are doing? Sure, so Open Gardens
17: Victoria is a a not-for-profit organisation that opens up private gardens to the public, so we've got a team of dedicated selectors all over the state who curate um, a program of uh, gardens that range from some really large, showy estate gardens in regional areas um, through to different ornamental and productive gardens in metro and urban areas. Um, Every weekend we've got a different program going on, Um, often for regional areas for people to make a day trip of it, we'll group a bunch of gardens in a particular location like the the ranges or portsy or something like that um, and then through covid we had to adapt and so we've also got now a significant range of online content so we do events like masterclasses, workshops tutorials that people can sign up to and they get run online um, and we do have some in-person workshops as well
0: wonderful I guess a lot of people, you know, we all go to the Botanic Gardens and stuff like that, but what you're doing is you're opening up gardens that nobody else would have access to, and now we can actually go and check those gardens out and see people who are doing different things in the garden.
17: Yeah, that's exactly right. Like, you know, as we, anyone who's passionate about gardening knows they put a lot of effort into their own garden, um, but only you and your friends and family get to see it ultimately. But some of them really are so good they have to be shared. And so um, through the generosity of our garden openers, um, we get to open up a range of those that people wouldn't otherwise get to see. Um, The model is one where we do charge a fee for people to come and that that fee gets split 50-50 between the garden owner and Open Gardens Victoria and with our share we support a range of horticultural community charities.
0: Which charities do you support?
17: Um, It really runs quite diverse. So if you go to our website, you can see each year we run a structured program, giving program, where people can apply and then we'll go through, um, they put in their applications and we go through and pick the most kind of um, deserving of those applications. Um, So there's a list actually on the wall in there of different ones um, that we've given to, um, but they range from uh, kind of... um, in care facilities like aged care or special needs care we've um, put in kind of tactile touch gardens um, through to kind of some of the community garden type concepts we've supported um, the bee gardens you might have seen on um, Gardening Australia that were done down in South Melbourne um, so it, it really is um, different ones depending on the needy gardens for the year and we've also raised money
0: for bushfire recovery. Oh wonderful what a great job thank you and what are people asking you here in your t- in the tent this week? Um, we've had a
17: mix because we've got a pretty loyal following of people who just want to show up and find out what's going on for us. Um, but we've got people who've never heard of us and who, who are quite interested in the initiative and finding out what, what's going on in the program. Um, and yeah, that's about it. And a few people who want to sign up their gardens to be shown off. <laughs>
0: yeah. Do you think they're all going to make the cut? Or... <laughs> uh,
17: it's a good question and possibly an awkward question. Our selectors <laughs> are, are, are pretty picky, but, you know, when we're charging a fee, we want it to be worth the experience for people to make the trip and see the garden.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Thanks so much for time, Rob. I'm here with Scott's Osmocode ambassador and Better Homes and Gardens presenter, Melissa King. How are you going, Melissa?
18: Good, Daniel. How are you?
0: Really well, thank you. So I'm just here at the Osmocote tent, and we've got some people here doing a bit of a demonstration. Can you walk us through what's going on here?
18: Yeah, sure. So Scott's Osmocote, every year they do these amazing growing workshops. So this year we're doing a growing workshop on indoor plants, which have become incredibly trendy and succulent. So the nice thing is that people get to take something home. So they get to learn a little bit about growing indoor plants or succulents, but they get to take home a little planter. So they're all walking out the door with smiles on their faces, which is nice to see.
0: Yeah, nothing puts a smile on your face more than growing a plant and taking it home, does it?
18: No, absolutely. And it's nice too because we hear the stories year to year about people who've taken them home and had success with them. And uh, it just brings people back to gardening, I think.
0: Absolutely. So we've got Scott's OsmoCode here. So they're they're the partner for the show here at the moment.
18: They are. The branding's everywhere, which is beautiful to see. It's a brand that's really recognisable. You know, my grandparents used Osmocote. I hope to, like to think that my children's children will use Osmocote, but it is, um, you know, it's a brand that's been around for a long period of time. It's tried and tested. People trust the brand. And, you know, for these modern times, a controlled-release fertiliser is brilliant because it's like a set-and-forget fertiliser. You can quite simply sprinkle it around your plants, feeds the plants as they need it for up to six months You know, so you know that that plant is getting everything it needs without you having to put in a lot of input, which is brilliant.
0: A brand like Scott's, you know, you're going to invest in in a tent here. and, And I imagine it's a massive investment, especially with your branding all over the whole show. Why would someone like Scott's invest so much money into something like this?
18: This is about getting out there with the public, you know, this is our gardening audience. I mean, it's the pinnacle of the gardening calendar, the Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show, and everyone who's here either has a green thumb or they're a budding green thumb and they want to get into gardening, so it's about engaging both new gardeners, traditional gardeners to be aware of all the products that we've got, and we've got a whole heap of new products on the market now too, so it's just a great way to let people know what's available.
0: Love it. Everybody here is a gardener. As you say, this is this is your target market right here.
18: Thank you so much, Daniel.
0: Thanks so much, Mel. Appreciate your time. Anytime. Hi, I'm here with Sarah
14: Fitzgerald from Botanica. Um, I'm just wondering how the show has been for you this year, seeing as though we haven't had it for two years. Like, I'm pretty impressed with the amount of people that were here yesterday. So what's your general feeling?
19: Uh... The general feeling is that it's been, you know, really... Uh, well received and there's been a lot of people come by our stand and uh, you know we had set ourselves a little bit of a you know target to get you know so many brochure requests over the course of the show and we ended up getting that just in the first day alone with people so interested in travelling again and uh, you know I think after being in lockdown for you know almost two years everybody just wants to get out there and they want to go overseas something Uh, different (laughs) instead of their own
16: four walls yeah
19: exactly (laughs) and you know people are saying they want inspiration for their own gardens as well um and that's coming from you know traveling either here in australia or new zealand uh or overseas so we've been really pleased with the turnout to the stand and the amount of people that um you know are just so positive and want to get going and want to see the world and see great gardens again
14: fantastic that's exactly what i wanted to hear so good for everyone involved and particularly for exhibitors because you know um a lot of people have lost money over the last couple of years with businesses or lost staff, can't get staff, all that sort of thing. So that's great. I'm really pleased to hear that you've had such a
2: great response.
19: Yeah. Well done. We're emerging from the pandemic strong. <laughs> yep, that's it.
0: I'm here with Marty Allen from Peninsula Wildflowers. How you going, Marty?
20: Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Yourself?
0: Fantastic. Mate, we're inside the pavilion here... Why did you choose to come to an event like this?
20: We wanted to showcase everything we do. We wanted to people to appreciate what we appreciate and we love showing off all things natural and also debunking the art and showing people how our girls make things. It's a market-based platform. This is what we do at Farmers Markets. So we like people to see how they're created, to see what the process is, debunk the myth not behind closed doors we open it up and off the back of that we hope to give people the chance to come and experience it the hunger to come and experience it and get hands on especially given everything that's happened in life recently it's a great experience it's a very centering experience and we want to encourage it and just really really enjoy what we've got around us in nature
0: it's a beautiful display you've got here it actually reminds me of the florals that my wife and i had at our wedding there's lots of c members like your banks ears, your proteas you've got lots of eucalypt just lots of like the silvery um, kind of foliage with lots of reds and pinks and yellows and purples in there absolutely beautiful
20: yeah and that and that's just showcasing what's in season now which is what we do we bring what's in season now we don't force things in we bring what natural and the
0: tones you see is everything that's
20: flourishing in the garden
0: So can you walk me through the experience of somebody who comes onto your farm just to basically see what you guys are doing? Like, What what will they experience when they come there? Uh, They'll experience the environment that we love. So
20: they'll experience an old, gnarly farm, Not not a modern production farm just grown purely for heads. What we do, we celebrate all of the plant. We let the plants genetically go over. We don't pull them out prematurely. And then we celebrate each part of that plant. So people who come to the farm experience the environment we work in, namely, the peace, the serenity, natural elements, animals, and just a sense of calm. And that then allows them to be creative and feel like they can be creative because there's a non judgmental environment. People come in, we literally take them around, give them a tour, we show them what's in season, we harvest, forage, pick the elements that make up their arrangement. We bring them back to our beautiful vintage truck, We lay out all the ingredients and we bring in the ingredients for people to make an amazing bouquet and have an amazing experience with one another
0: and with people that never met. And that's what we're trying to create. Love it. I reckon, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but I think this year in 2022, people are awake to the power of nature, the healing power of nature. What do you think? 100%. You've
20: nailed it. I mean, I think looking in has made us all look out and, and really realize what's important. Um, getting your hands dirty getting in nature we're not apart from nature we're at one and that's the whole ethos to enjoy it experience it and make the most of it love it thank you so much for your time mate pleasure
0: mate and you i'm here with jess roberts from wfi g'day jess how you going yeah
21: good how are you
0: fantastic thank you what does wfi stand for
21: Um, It used to stand for West Farmers Insurance, but it no longer stands for that. It doesn't really stand for anything since we've been brought out by IAG, so we're not part of West Farmers anymore. But we're an insurance company. Um, We deal with a lot of business and rural insurance. Um, So, yeah, that's why we're sponsored the flower market alongside the VFF. So, yeah, we've got a lot to do in that sort of agri-business and farm industry, yeah.
0: So you're here less for the consumers and more for the growers and the people that are here with their stalls.
21: Yeah, that's right. Supporting our growers, our farmers, and, yeah, just making ourselves present, yeah.
0: And so from a branding point of view, I guess, you know, this is not just consumers who are here. There's a lot of industry folk that are here as well.
21: Yeah. that's right, yeah. So it's just, yeah, getting our name out there, um, supporting our clients, our people, and, yeah, just basically seeing what's out there in the flower and the garden industry at the moment.
0: So, what are some of the main questions that you've been getting here?
21: Um, just information, really. I'm a little bit of an information centre at the moment. Not really anything to do with insurance. So, yeah. I, it's my first day working here. So, yeah. Nothing really insurance-like. Yeah.
0: That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I guess probably a lot of the, the, the customers can see you, but they may not have time to come over here because they're all so busy. Yeah.
21: But I can see some of my clients here today, so that's good, yeah.
0: It's great to get your name out there amongst the right people. Yeah,
21: that's exactly right, yeah.
0: Thanks so much for your time, Jess. Thanks,
21: Daniel. Have a good day.
0: You too. I'm here with Tony Declass from Tiger Turf Landscape. How are you going?
22: Good, thanks. How are you?
0: Yeah, really good, thank you. So you've got some fake turf here. What, what is What's the difference between the fake turf that you're doing compared with other fake turfs that are on the market?
22: Our product is made in New Zealand with European yarn. We give us a 10-year warranty on all our landscape grass.
0: So did you say made from yarn?
22: A yarn. So the yarn is made in wow. the Netherlands.
0: So it's a plastic yarn?
22: It's synthetic. synthetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not, look, you know what, La- lawn synthetic lawn is not for everybody but it, it suits a purpose if you've got a small backyard or an area that doesn't get sun so it's not for everyone but what we're finding now is we're doing more sports in the backyard like a basketball court or a little soccer field so people are using their backyards more with the kids
0: and have you had, what, what's, the, what's been the, what have people been saying? Like, what, are, what have been the reaction to your thing? Are people loving it or are people, do you have a bit of um, people coming in here? Because I can imagine some people, you know, people love or hate fake turf. So what have been the reactions?
22: Um, we're finding people loving it. The people that don't like it aren't coming over and talking about it. But the people that do like it are coming over and saying, I've had it for 12 years, 15 years and hadn't had to do anything with it. So, yeah, it's been really good.
0: So can you tell me about this one that's here? It's, they're quite long fibres and it feels quite soft, to be honest.
22: The product is called Serenity and the Serenity product has a cool yarn in it. So it's a bit cooler to touch and you can lie on or you can run, run in the grass with it. But it's also delustered, so there's no shine on it as well.
0: Right, okay. So what does the no shine mean? Is that an aesthetic thing?
22: Yes, it is. Yep.
0: How do you recommend somebody clean up the leaves off it? Is it a rake? Is it a blower? What would you use?
22: You could use a blower. Although if there's leaves on it, it just looks more natural.
0: Thanks so much for your time, Tony.
22: No worries. Thank you.
0: Have a great day. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Kirsty. How are you going, Kirsty?
23: Yeah, I'm terrific. Thank you. How are you going?
0: Good. So, Kirsty, what are you loving at the gardens this year?
23: So, the first day I went and saw the florals inside the exhibition centre and I thought that was amazing. I loved it seeing the student work as well and then I went for a walk around the actual grounds of Carlton Gardens and went and saw Chris Jenkins absolutely loved uh, his garden and loved the barley vibe loved the tropical vibe and I really loved the wallpaper that he had on the ceiling just thought that was such a good touch to kind of bring it all together
0: yeah it was magnificent Uh, What did you think about the wedding florals as a wedding invitation designer yourself?
23: Yeah, amazing. (laughs) So many colors, so bright, so vibrant, and just things that I hadn't seen before, like even on Instagram or, you know, I follow so many florists that are in the wedding scene. And yeah, it was just so cool to see such creativity brought to the table, like just loved the... uh, There was one in particular, I got a photo of it and it was just overflowing of pink and white. Uh, I don't know. I don't actually know what flowers they were, sorry, but they were just stunning. another
0: thing is a lot of native flowers. So I know that you've been a native flower enthusiast for quite a while now. And at our own wedding, we had native florals or in inverted commas, native florals, including proteas and other South African plants. But yeah, what do you think about the way that the 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 flowers that people are choosing for their weddings are changing?
23: Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely seeing eucalyptus, banksia, all of those. They're very popular. Um and even walking around the grounds, there were so many natives. It was awesome to see and I loved there was I can't remember which section it was, but there was a Japanese-inspired native garden. It was just fantastic.
0: Yeah, I think that was in the Achievable Gardens, if I'm not wrong. it
23: was the Achievable Gardens, you're right.
0: Fantastic. Thanks so much, babe.
23: No worries.
0: (laughs) What an amazing experience it was to see everything on display at Mivka's, to meet so many new people, and to catch up with friends I haven't seen in a while. Check out the show notes if you're interested in learning more about any of the topics we talked about in this episode. And please share the two-part Mivkas series with friends and colleagues who went to the event or who would have loved to attend but weren't able, so that we can share that passion for our beautiful green industry.